Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we have a wonderful topic that hopefully I think will be uplifting and encouraging and help our listeners out in everyday walk of life. You always say that when you're ready to kick butt and take names. <laughs> Actually, this is motivational. What is a sold out life? Oh yeah. my. I love your titles and your topics. Man, I'm telling you, I'm trying. And, and um, you know, what is a sold-out life? What does it look like? Because the truth is, man, we need to know this for the day we're living in. Yeah, for the day we stand before the Lord, we're going to wish we had a sold-out life one day. And so we now's were. the time we make that choice. Yeah. And what we want to do is we want to help encourage you and equip you and help you understand what it looks like to have a sold out life because most, Oh, I'm going to use this term very lightly. Most Christians, Chris Christians, um, not everyone who saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God is a scripture verse. He's thinking about. So yes. It for you, thank you. And most Christians think that they're right with God while they're living in sin. Yeah. I, I remember as a new believer facing this challenge, what what does it really look like to be sold out at, uh, early in my Christian life? I thought it was kind of an emotional thing. And it's it's really not, because I see people get very emotional, but right. they're disobedient. Right. It's like a fire. It lights, it flames, and then it dies down. Yeah, and, and people say, oh, I'm sold out for God. Emotionally, they're feeling something. But Jesus didn't say, if, if you love me, if you're sold out, uh, feel good, shout loud, s- sing loud, dance. No, he said, if, if you love me, keep. My commandments. Yeah, there you go. And, and that, that's truly the litmus for if you love Jesus. Hey, I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget, the Duke Meister. Uh, glad to be back at the microphone with you, Johnny. Yeah, man, you've been traveling a lot. All over the place. Rhode Island, Ohio. Uh, well, Ohio a few times, yeah, several times. I've been there three times in the last six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there in two years, three times in six weeks. Man, glad COVID's Eight, up. 860 teenagers just sit spellbound under the word of God. Hundred Over 100 young people saved. I never, 250 young people weeping at the altar yeah. nightly. I, I, it was amazing. It was a little bit of a taste of revival just to see people excited about Jesus. Of course, the test for them is not the high of camp. It's when, when they, they go out. home. Yeah, it's like, okay, what is a sold-out life going to look like? Yeah, that's going to be huge. Uh, hopefully, prayerfully, they will stay plugged in. Hey, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to get started on a sold-out life and what it looks like. Brother, open us if you would. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, challenge us. Take the word of God, make it real. Use uh, uh, Pastor John and myself to encourage our listeners, to strengthen them, to challenge them, Lord, to step up to the plate, to be all that we can be through the power of the Holy Spirit, which lives inside of us. One day we're going to stand before you and wish so bad we were sold out biblically and not just emotionally. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You you just said it to be sold out biblically and not just emotionally because one thing that we do know is most people get crazy emotional involved, but then they're like the seeds planted by the wayside or the th- or the seeds uh, in the thorns in the thicket and they get choked out they real get fast. Their feelings hurt. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I thought I thought everybody would like me if I served Jesus. Yeah, I here's a funny. I, I actually preached a sermon uh, as Sunday and I'm going to put, I'm going to put it on the podcast, uh, because I think it's worthy for the podcast where it's not too preachy 
you know, that people can listen to it. <clears throat> Any rate, uh, before I started it, before I started, because I was talking about the topic of hell, you know, what happens to the... Jesus the, did bring that up quite often. Well, you, you know, he spoke about hell more than he did heaven and money combined. Or no, he spoke about money more than he did heaven and hell combined, but hell was the second. Yeah, second most popular topic. Because he doesn't want anybody to go there. He doesn't. It's a real place. And uh, today we're living in a world which is kind of pretend like it's not there. Right, right. Well, and and, and uh, what's funny is I told him before I started, (laughs) for some of you who plan on calling me, texting me, or emailing me afterwards telling me how hateful I am, first tell me where I was wrong in the scriptures. Then tell me how hateful I am. If you can't tell me how wrong I am in the scriptures, don't call me, text me, or email me. The people I've known in my 50-year journey with Jesus that spoke most about hell were the ones that worked the hardest to keep people from going there. So I will not, I don't, will not accept any apologies from you right. for standing on the word of God. It's and one I, of the reasons I love you, Johnny. Well, and I even told him, I said, guys, I love you so much. I'm willing to sacrifice the relationship by telling you the truth. That's what love is. That's, That's what, what love, love is. Does. Yeah. Love, love says, out. love says, I'm going to tell you the hard stuff yeah. with the, fun stuff. Now, what is a sold out life? This is the fun stuff, if you will. In other words, um, it's just helping you to really understand what the scriptures say about how we should live. And our text that we're going to use to help guide us through this is in Daniel, and it's in Daniel chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. And I would just tell you this, it's a fantastic passage because uh, Daniel is being uh, Daniel is standing. I mean, he is standing. Daniel, uh, he's young. He's young. He has been rooted out of his natural habitat. His people have been conquered by the Babylonians. Mm-hmm. He's been translated into a different culture, different language. His whole old life has been shattered. He has every reason in the world to have a be wanting to have a pity party right and oh woe is me and, and which angry, rightfully he could for a little while and have a chip on his shoulders yeah. That, yeah. but his, this lifts his commitment his sold out life lifts him above all of the excuses yeah and he has three friends that are on board with him yeah. which their real name is hananiah michelle and azariah which but we know them by the babylonian names shadrach meshach and abednego amen <laughs> But Daniel stayed with his Jewish name. He did. He kept it. And and what you find in the passage of Daniel 1, 16 through 21, is they're being challenged, and they are supposed to adhere to the Gentile or the unbeliever's way of life. And they stand their ground, and they say no. And in this particular passage, it has to do with uh, what they consume and mm-hmm. It was an unclean dietary thing that was being placed upon them by the Babylonians who don't even know any better. Right. But it was a violation of the Levitical law, and these kids know about it, and they're uh, taking a stand. A strong stand. They're taking a strong stand. What are the consequences possibly here? Oh, they could be killed. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> just might bring that out. Just... <laughs> just no pressure just you might die you might you listen dude you follow the line and you die there you go you got two choices i think i think our audience is getting the picture right this is this is big leagues here it is and what i loved about daniel was 
he didn't attack in a hateful manner. He didn't just stand his ground and refuse to move. He exercised wisdom. Humility. And humility. Wisdom. He followed the chain of command that he was under. He appealed right. to the next level uh, above him. And because they had a good lifestyle, day in, day out testimony, when they asked permission from their authority to be, you know, really uh, on a big issue, yep. he listened to them. Yes. So they had laid a foundation. Because of their credibility. It, that's what I was trying to say. Because, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Because of their credibility. One word, I was going to take 100. It, but go ahead. <laughs> because of their credibility, <laughs> it landed them the opportunity to show God. Yeah. Wow. So when you pick up the text, there's all, you got to just let, let this sink in. You really do. The, literally, their life is on the line. It is on the line. And they say, hey, listen, how about you let us eat the way God tells us to eat, and your men eat the way you tell them to eat, and the healthier ones and prevail. see by the fruits, you'll know them. If, it, right. if this is a good thing, right. we're trying to make you look good. Yes. Because if we, if we right. do well, it's going to make their boss look good. <laughs> but they had won his trust. And I think that... Right. It can't be overemphasized. Right. And every day, I think we're called to win people's trust. Mm -hmm. Now, they might not like our position. Right. Uh, I remember at UPS, uh, people didn't like me preaching to everybody, <laughs> but they liked my disposition. They respected your testimony. When when they told me to go to the Red Belt, I didn't pout, and I didn't right. go to the bathroom for 35 minutes a night right. like a lot of guys did. And they, they respected me. And when I spoke right. to them, they, right. they, uh, right. they, they treated me with respect. But you yeah. got to earn it. You have to earn it. Well, what we find in verse 19, it says, Then the king, the king, the man. Nebuchadnezzar. He interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. The king was like, these dudes are so awesome. They got it, man. They got it happening. And therefore, then they became influential in the political side of things, too. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, it, because let's, let's face it. Our beliefs do dictate our political views. They Politics is the stage, the world stage, upon which the clash of titans, God and Satan, is battled out upon. I hate politics, but you have to be engaged, or you're just, uh, might as well sit on a flagpole and eat bread and water and call right. that, call that uh, you know, some kind of spirituality. Well, here's the thing. If you're not engaged, eventually you don't even have a flagpole. <laughs> yeah, amen. Again, Johnny, that's, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> That's that black and white personality. Just cut to the chase. No, yeah, I, ma I married a woman who's black and white like that. You did. She's she let she wouldn't let me out of the house with this shirt on. I snuck out in it. And I not got with here. that shirt. No, I had to change shirts when I got here because my shirt lit up the screen. It was. Uh, obviously, many of you know if you watch video that the according to John behind us, the black and the green is is all that's green screen, and so we sat here and. That means you can't wear green or yellow because yellow is so close to green. Well, we found that out, didn't we? <laughs> so Duke walks in and I said, you can't wear that shirt. What are you doing wearing that shirt? It's green. He goes, it's yellow. And I go, set in front of the screen. He goes, oh, yeah, that's oh, not going to work. Let the thing up like a Christmas tree. So I got yelled out on my way out by my wife. I got yelled out on my wind by Pastor John. They're both yeah, prophets, yeah, but I, yeah. I need them. So yeah, what am I going to do? Yeah. So now he has my shirt, 
which actually says living to serve team Jesus because yeah, he, uh, yeah, because he couldn't otherwise all that electric lighting on the green screen comes to life on your chest. I, was, I thought I was <laughs> tripping again, man. <laughs> oh, in the cubicle, man. Like, wow. trails and sparkles. <laughs> Technology. Wow, they move when I move. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, at any rate, um, you're going to get back to this because we kind of got off of it. I'm a little sleep deprived, and it's going to probably show up here. Right. So, what happens is now they're the man. They're in the political view. They got what's going on. They're adjusting their life. Um, to God. And meanwhile, because of that, the world is adjusting their life to Daniel, Meshach, Abednego, and Meshach. What's the three? Shadrach, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach. You have Abednego. to say all three together. You do. If you try to break, just forget about it. I don't know who you're talking yeah. about. So, but, but the world is now adjusting their lifestyle to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's lifestyle. They won respect. They've won respect. Things begin to happen. The king interviews them in verse 19. And then in verse 20, we find out the result of the king's thoughts from the four of those boys holding on to God's position. And it says in verse 20, in all matters, in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. He found them 10 times better than anybody else on the king's staff. Now, as I examine this text closely, and I'm not positive of this, but in, in looking at the direct text, adding nothing, taking anything away, it seems to me that the king did not know the back story here. There was just the decree went out, and this is what you eat. Right. And the king's trying to give them the best. Yeah. These are his finest. And yet it violated the law, so they go to their direct supervisor and say, hey, I don't think you guys realize this, but we're Jews, and we can't go there. And the guy respected them because of their daily walk. Right. And he granted them that opportunity. So they ate their food and, and the other group ate theirs. And then they all go before the king. And I, I don't know that the king even knew the backstory here. Right. He just sees the end result. And he likes it and says, I don't know about you guys where or why or how, but you guys got it happening. You're 10 times right. better. So maybe we won't know the full answer to that till we get on the other side. But that's how I've always read it through the years. Uh, I would agree with that. And, and so now the question that we are going to look at, uh, look at is what does it mean to be sold out? Now watch, let's just take an application. Uh, but but I want to spell sold first. Okay. S-O-U-L-E-D, sold, sold. the soul. S-O-L-D. Yeah, S-O-U-L-D. Ooh, Johnny. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to give you two points for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> He's so happy. <laughs> Watch this. Uh, I'm listening. Now, <laughs> listen, you, know, you just bought me with two points. I'm in. Go ahead. <laughs> Piece of chocolate will do the same thing. Right. I know how it works. <laughs> We've been hanging out a long time. The, the, the king only cares about the results. He doesn't know right. how the results got there, but he gets the results that he likes. Now, this is happening backstage. It was, oh, the king's watching. Let's do it now. No, no one was really watching but God. Right. 
uh, if they would have just gone ahead and violated the word of God and nobody in Babylon would have cared a lick, mm-hmm. but this was that conscience towards God. They had that overwhelming consciousness that God is watching us, man. I, you know, when I'm, we're held, to, we're, we are held accountable to God who is writing all things down in the books. Yeah. And he's watching. And when I forget that God's watching, I could get really stupid really quick. But when I have that strong sense of his presence and he's watching, yeah. then it's like, I, it doesn't care if it doesn't matter if my wife is watching or my church is watching right. or, or our friends are watching. It's like, God is watching. I think that is the bottom line. Right. If we're going to be sold, S O U L E D D, yeah, sold out. out. Oh, I yeah. love that, John. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do one of my own podcasts on that. There you go. Right? I'll, I'll take all the credit too. <laughs> it's yours, brother. I'll join now. I have it all burned at the judgment seat someday because I stole it from you. <laughs> well, listen, because I love you, I'm going to give you permission <laughs> okay. to steal it. Okay, um, you know, but that's the thing. And I would tell my, I would tell my daughter. Daughters, even when you know they were growing up and and with every new stage of life and i would tell them listen all that matters is that you please god if you please god it doesn't matter what people think and it doesn't matter what people say what matters is that god is pleased with what you've done so what does it mean to be sold out and it means to be surrendered to him in every facet of our lives those guys knew god spoke and they chose to obey that even when it kind of put them at risk. Absolutely. But they chose God over man. They chose God over self. They chose God over well, comfort. You know, you, you said that they do it and they do it because they know God's watching, right? And if they forget God's watching or when we forget God's watching, or we do we just tune things, him out. or we tune them out. I think about when we go into an area or on a piece of property or whatever it is, and we see signs that say camera in use. All of a sudden, everybody adjusts their 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 <laughs> actions, right? The traffic, especially when it's to do with traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah think about that. Yeah, so this is true. All of a sudden, we like make all these adjustments because someone's watching. Well, when we forget the cameras in use, we get caught doing stupid stuff, and that's the way it is with God. On my so uh, maybe we need to carry a sign everywhere we go. God is watching. Uh, <laughs> uh, I remember in Florida, my GPS. I'm coming up to a traffic signal, and my GPS would warn me that there's at this traffic signal is cameras. They have cameras, right. and uh, you were with me. We yeah. you heard, yeah. It, right? Yeah. I've never had that happen anywhere except in Florida. It happened, it happened every day down there, but. <laughs> It really works. It yeah. just, you, you become very much more conscious of your driving yeah, yeah. when you know yeah, you're being yeah. being watched. Yeah. But you know, God is watching, mm-hmm. and His watching isn't to to hinder us. No, it's to help us. It's to protect us. It's to right. motivate us. It's right. make us to be all that we can be. Right. So now we're going to switch in the gears to give us real life application. In order to have the kind of reputation that Daniel had, right. Um, we have to look at these characteristics and there are several we're going to look at the characteristics of the surrendered life involved number one. And, and I've, I've just put these, is it necessarily in the order? No, but I think all of them are necessary. They all fit in. They all fit in, um, to be sanctified. First Corinthians six eleven says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. And so some of us were like the king and his servants. 
But then we were sanctified and washed. So at that point, we should become like Daniel because now we have been equipped through the Holy Spirit because of the blood of Jesus Christ to carry that out and have the ability. Yes, set apart. Set apart not for self, but for him. Yes. Not for our glory and our comfort, but for his glory. And and that's a privilege. Yes. I remember when I left opposite of that. My life stunk, but then when God set me apart for his glory and I began to be conscious that he was watching, but he's a good God and he's watching out for me. And when I fall in line with him, good things happen. Absolutely. So literally to be set apart, sanctified is to be set apart and it means to be clean and ready uh, for whatever God has for us to do, like we have to be prepared for that. Preparation breeds opportunity. It's never been any different, and it never will be any different. Preparation breeds opportunity. If you've prepared yourself to be holy, God will use you for holy conditions and and things that He wants to use you for. I found this uh, story of a young lady. She said, "I might put it out." I said, "No, Johnny, leave it in." <laughs> I think it, I love it. Good. Isn't it awesome? It's awesome. So uh, this young girl, he, she gives her experience, and this is what she says. After I was saved, I found some things in my heart not right. There seemed to be cobwebs in the corners. I used to, I used to sweep them out by watchfulness and prayer, but they would come again. For some time, I kept on sweeping out the cobwebs, only to find them soon appear. But one day the Lord came and killed the spider and there have been no cobwebs in my heart since. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love that. If you'd have wrote that, I'd give you a point for it. So I'm, I'm going to send that point to. Give whoever. me a half a point for finding it. Okay. All right. Two and a half, two and a <laughs> I'm in a really good mood today. That's sweet though. But God will kill the spiders. That's, that's the point. God yeah. kills the spiders. That ends the cobwebs, which now eliminates our excuses for why we can't serve him. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, <laughs> coming out of the world full of cobwebs as a drug dealer. And every person in my life was just wrong. And, you know, they're just coming by for bad intentions yeah. and bad morals and filthy yeah. language. But, you know, God killed the spider. I just, I just said, hey, dudes, no more dope for me. When I, when I took a stand, no dope, they disappeared, and there were no more cobwebs. So I was reading a story one time about a soldier who uh, was in Vietnam, I think a Viet- Korean Vietnam, or he was in some war, and um, he was a Christian, but he was running because they were, uh, the enemy was coming, trying to find him to kill him. So he, he's exhausted. He can't go any further. He sees this cave, and he goes up into the cave. And now he realizes he's at a dead end, and he hears them in the distance yelling, his enemies yelling, you know, over here, over here, look over here. And as he's in the cave, he's praying, God, I don't, I don't know how you can help me, but, Lord, if you don't intervene, I'm going to die. And as a Christian, he said he kept his testimony as a soldier in the military. He never sacrificed his integrity. All of a sudden, he sees these spiders at work at the entrance of the cave. And they're building a web. And and he said it's at such a rapid pace, it was just put him in awe to watch it. Because he's in the dark and he's looking out the light. He's looking out the light, so he sees it. He can see it, yeah. Yeah. What a a neat thing. And the enemies come to the face of the cave, 
And they looked and they go, he's not in there. Can't be. Look at all those spider webs. He'd have broke them down. And he mo- they moved on. God wow. spared his life. Wow. Why? Because he was a Daniel and God watched out for him. Wow. I'm just thinking, you know, when I get every time I think wow. of that story, I get that's... goosebumps. But that that's what it is, guys, that we're sanctified, we're set apart. And then God protects us just like he protected Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God shows up, and he does it in such ways that you can't deny it was him. Stories only God can write. Only God can write. <laughs> Dude, there's a point. I'm going to give you a point for that one. I feel better. <laughs> so as we look at this, the next thing that we have to be besides sanctified or set apart is we have to be holy. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16 says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. And then verse 16 says, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And we talked about, can humans be holy? And the reality is we are, we are commanded and required to be holy. It's not even a question. Can we, we're required to fulfill that. It's given in the old Testament. It's given in the new Testament. And holiness is really Jesus, the Holy One, who comes to live inside of us. And when we die daily, daily to self, daily. the Holy One yeah. lives through us, presents even the likes of you and I, and we come from a rough background, but we can be holy mm-hmm. through Christ. Right. And right. it's not a holier than now. Look at me, I'm holy. You when you if you are living a holy life, you don't even hardly sense it. Right. You're you you can It just it, becomes the norm. Yeah, it's just it's natural. Yeah. I, I see something, I'm not gonna steal it. It's right. just right. holiness. Right. Yeah, well, if, I, I thought I saw an interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now I'm not a huge Schwarzenegger fan. Um I think he lacks character, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. But but nonetheless, they're doing this interview and they asked him, they said, In your seventies, why do you still go to the gym every day? And he said why do you eat every day? Why do you sleep every day? He goes, it is a necessary part of my life to keep me healthy. I do it without thinking about it. I eat because I need to eat. It keeps me healthy. I sleep because I need to sleep as part of who I am. And I think that if you exercise holiness long enough, it becomes what you were just saying. It is, it it just becomes who you are. And we don't we don't jeopardize that. Yeah. Christ in me is not going to go off and flip out on somebody right. and tell them off and curse them right. out. Right. Christ in me will never do that. And right. so when a situation comes before us that in my flesh, I would do that. Right. But I'm not in the flesh. I'm in the spirit and I don't do that. Right. And so holiness is a very practical thing. It's an everyday thing. Right. And if we're walking in daily holiness in his word and being kind to our mate at home and having kind words and right. being appreciative and treat uh, my wife better than I would treat a, a waitress in, in a, uh, at, at a restaurant and just be holy, yeah. it just is a wonderful lifestyle. Well, and being holy means that you are visible examples of who God is. Wow. Yeah. Visible examples. And and then to be holy literally means that we have to be distinctive and exceptional in our behavior. And, and the problem is most people have gotten so lazy and 
complacent, and we're going to talk about that word here later on, but so lazy and complacent in life, and they think, oh, the king allows it, so we'll just join the king's delicacies rather than separating ourselves from what God's called us to be. Like Daniel said, I'm not going to take the king's delicacies. Literally, that's what it says in the scriptures. Yeah, and I'm sure they tasted great, you know, the high-end foods. But Oh, steak and wine? Come on. Holiness was more important to them than, right. uh, than uh, exquisite foods. Exactly. Yeah. That'd so be, that'd be a tough challenge for me. Yeah, because <laughs> you like food. What, what's on that menu? <laughs> right. So then the next thing that we have to be besides sanctified and holy is we have to be submissive. Yeah. That is the hook that snatches most people out of God's water. Submissive to the things that we're not supposed to do. Right. Say no to that. Right. And submissive to the things that we are supposed to do. Yeah. So as I was researching this, I found another story. Uh, I like this one too. I was, yeah. <laughs> Give the reference first so people can't, don't think you're making this up. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm going to nail it down here. But um, this is an example of what we're not to be, right? And this was found in the U.S. News and World Report of March 6, 1995 on page 15. So you can look it up and you can see that uh, nothing here is made up. And uh, this is what it said. In Washington, D.C., Bill Clinton tried to remove an unflattering portrait that has been hung around his neck for three years, urging the Christian conservatives not to condemn the motives and character of people with whom they disagree because if they, quote unquote, could look into my soul, they would see someone whose belief is God, whose belief in God is as sincere and deep and genuine as theirs, and who probably is much more humble in his Christian faith than many of them are. Oh my God. <laughs> Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> Around his neck. <laughs> the hypocrisy. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm more spiritual than you are because I'm a fornicator <laughs> in the Oval Office. And I'm an adulterer. Don't you, don't you judge me, even though the evidence is physically is right there. We don't need to go into that too much information. Nope. People that are older know what they we're know. talking about. Yeah. They know. Younger people don't know what we're talking but, about. But the amazing thing is, how many of the older people gave him a free pass? Yeah. And then condemned the Christians for holding him accountable. Because he, uh, his words... Uh, is much more humble in his Christian faith than many of them are. (laughs) Jesus might put it this way. If you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah, yeah. That means don't fornicate, don't commit adultery, don't be drunk. And then don't (laughs) criticize every Christian who calls you out on it. He calls us out on agreeing with God about what he did, and then he turns it around and blames the Christian, which that's how the devil always does it. That's just the way it is. Dude, and he's like, I'm humble, and you're not. There's humility. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bill, just just don't fornicate in the Oval Office, and none <sighs> of this, we won't have to worry about all the rest of it. Dude, so let me just say this. Holiness could have taken away of a lot of embarrassment for him, huh? Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just Holiness would have definitely been his home run. Johnny, I'm giving you another point for that story. You found, <laughs> I'm giving you a full point. <laughs> I'm talking about. But this, this illustrates. <laughs> yeah. People, yeah. they, they want to look good, but they want to do it their way. Right. We and then bring God in to justify their actions. Yeah. And then blame others that take God's word and hold them accountable. Oh. So real holiness will never fall into that kind of stupidity. No. And so let me tell you something. To be submissive, 
which is part of the characteristics that Daniel had and that we saw as we looked into that event uh, of, of the book of Daniel. And then true submission uh, places us under the authority of another. James 4, 7 says this, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so true uh, submission would have been to submit to God, which would have been Bill Clinton going, uh, yeah, I'm busted. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for holding me to the fire. Yeah, even prior to that, just don't flirt with uh, young interns. Yeah, maybe. Don't be flirtatious with women. Maybe, right. And uh, all that could have been avoided, but... Uh, Holiness, uh, people are going to wish they were holy one day. Well, we, we are to submit under spiritual authority uh, that is called of God, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. And so when you and I as pastors, when we hold people to the fire, uh, man, submit to that because we are trying to do it for your benefit, for your holiness, right? And ultimately for ours and the churches as well. Because if we don't hold people accountable to holiness, that means that we are condoning unholiness. It's interesting. I have three grandchildren live upstairs from us and it is a <laughs> the moment they wake up in the morning, the parents are working on their holiness. Don't hit your sister in the face. <laughs> Don't bite. <laughs> Don't scream. Don't stand up on the furniture and try to balance yourself. I mean, it's just every, it just things right. like everything you're going to do is wrong. Right. <laughs> it's just it's constant They're at that instruction. Age. Yeah. Constant. Oh, and they just so do the funny. most foolish thing. And they're yeah. loving, sweet little girls. And they obey <laughs> when you call them down on it, but they don't figure it out. They, they obey when they realize the camera's on. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's right. Listen, first Timothy, or I mean, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5, 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And so we are to submit and help and, and allow ourselves to be held accountable as if God's word is holding us accountable and God himself is holding us accountable. Because he is. Because he is. The next thing is that we look at, so we've looked at uh, being sanctified. We looked at being holy, submissive, and now one of the other, the fourth characteristic, if you will, is yeah, third characteristic, fourth, whatever it is, fourth is to be satisfied. We have to be satisfied. I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> and I tried and I tried and I tried. Right. Our younger listeners are freaking out like those guys are yeah. nuts. And you know, the reality is we actually have a lot of young listeners. Listen, man, I, there, uh, there are uh, my daughters in their age, which is in their 20s, young, early 20s, listen to the podcast, man. Love the podcast. That's so cool. Um, dude, that just rocks my world, man. I love it, right? So to be satisfied literally means to be content. First Timothy 6.6 6 says this. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. We need to identify some terms here. Oh, we're going to. Because contentment <laughs> does not mean complacent. Yeah. And that's so many people. Mm, all right. We're going to get there because I'm going to tell you, nothing's going to give you peace uh, to your soul. And we're not talking peace for the moment. We're talking peace in your soul uh, more than being content with holiness, right? And so to be content is not complacent. 
Um, complacent. Complacent. I'm sorry. You're right. And I have another story for that. that I found that I thought, wow, this just fits so perfect. <laughs> I'm so, I like these stories so much, Sean. I might just give you more than points. I might give you some ice cream. Dude, I'm in. I'm in. There's an ice cream, right? That mm, lickety split. We're in. All right. And so there's a gentleman had a board put up on a part of his land on which was written. I will give this field to anyone or to the one who is really contented. When an applicant came, he asked, are you contented? The general answer was I am. And his reply invariably was, then what do you want with my field? <laughs> Godliness with contentment is great gain, but contentment does not mean complacent. Does not mean complacent. You know, contentment, I, I'm at peace at who I am, my calling, the amount of money God has given me, the woman God has given to be my wife, the number of children, grandchildren I have, mm -hmm. the people in my life, I'm content, but I'm highly motivated in my contentment. And most people... La especially today, lack motivation to be holy. Mm -hmm. They just lack it. Oh, in our brain, we want it, but in our actions, we deny it. Just complacent, just go with the flow. Just, yeah. 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 And And let's just be honest for a minute. Sometimes, especially because we live in a world that is so ungodly, and the world tells us that we deserve and it should be given and we're entitled. And then as a Christian, we got to be holy and submissive and sanctified, set apart. We got to be all these things. Knowing that as Christians in the world, we are swimming upstream. Yeah. Like okay. we are swimming against a current, man. Got to kind of get off behind that rock of Christ. And, and rest. That, and rest as that stream and there's that, that, that quiet spot, that still spot behind the rock in the stream. And Jesus is a rock. Yeah. But yeah, the stream is, and matter of fact, it's kind of a pretty strong current right now. Right now. And it, and it gets exhausting being sold out for Jesus. I mean, I'm just, I'm just being real here because as a pastor, a Christian, like all these things, and I got to live it out and I got to set the example and I got to be the example. I got to preach the example. I got to uh, like all of that. I have to set the example with. And sometimes you get tired of fighting the world that we have to live in. Yeah, being not weary and well-doing. Yeah. You do get weary in well-doing. Exactly. And then you look at, like, right now, this whole abortion issue that we're dealing with now. <sighs> yep. It's back in our face. It is back in our face. And... You have to, these Christians that are like, I'm not going to take a stand. It's not my problem. There's a problem right there. Yeah. Or they're like, you know, I don't agree with it, but I'm just going to be silent because I don't want the backlash. Because the truth is the backlash is what wears us out. Mm -hmm. And it's constant. And it world. is constant. And so... To be sold out, S-O-U-L-E-D, can be very taxing and difficult at times. Because the world goes full current out against every moral value that we have. Every one of them. Every one of them. But I will tell you this. 
Just like it was with Daniel, the king noticed he was sold out, and the king rewarded him by giving him position of authority because he could be trusted. He knew he wasn't going to give in. He was not going to compromise. He was not going to go with the flow, which could compromise the whole kingdom. And so the king sees them and says, man, you are 10 times better, 10 times better than anyone else I have on my staff. And so I want to bring you on because I want your influence. Yeah. My favorite sermon on Daniel, I didn't come up with this outline. It's very clever, but it's also very powerful. They didn't bend. They did not bend. Uh, when the dietary issue came up right. and, and the Lord blessed them for it. Well, they didn't bend when any issue came up. They didn't bow to the false God mm-hmm. and praise God. And, and Nebuchadnezzar was furious with them at that point and threw them into the burning fiery furnace. Right. They didn't bend. They didn't bow. And thank God they didn't burn. They didn't. And so. How cool is that? We're in this battle. Yeah. And when you yeah. start bending, yeah. pretty soon you're going to be bowing to the, the wrong uh, God's little G, and uh, then you have no credibility, right? And your you, your salt that lost its savor, and it's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the feet of men, right? So this is our Christian calling. It's not an easy calling, right. but it's a holy calling, and, and necessary if we're going to walk with God and have God show up in our life. Yeah, but instead of Amen, 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 I. But I think we have to take a look at, like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. he's called us to be ambassadors for Christ. Right. That's really cool. So there's a, there's a cost that comes with it. All who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, Philippians 129. So if we, like, I didn't sign up for this, and this is too right. we'll tune that out. Right. Say, you know what? I'm called to this. Right. It wasn't a matter of signing up, and I surrendered to that. Right. I'm surrendered. Right. right. And, and I, I can't stand without help, but he's helping me. Yeah. He's, he's puts a fire in my heart. Yeah. He's put wind in my sail, a twinkle in my eye. Uh, I'll lift up my voice as a trumpet and show, my, show people their sin. And, and we having done all, we stood. And, and so this holiness well, is a great calling. It is. And so here's the thing, guys. If we have the characteristics of a surrendered life being that we are sanctified and we're holy, we're submissive and we're satisfied, right? We're satisfied. Guys, that is such a key word. Then here are the consequences to the surrendered life. If we're going to call them consequences, right? I think it's the result is number one is undeterred commitment. Undeterred commitment, right? Philippians uh, 3, 13 and 14 says this. It says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. And so uh, here we have the example that it is undeterred commitment, right? If, if we are surrendered, we have undeterred commitment. Uh, John Wesley said this, which was a great, you know, he's a famous evangelist preacher. He said, give me a hundred men who hate nothing but sin and love God with all their hearts. And I will shake the world for Christ. The reason we're not shaking the world for Christ today is because the, the people who say, I love Jesus have joined the world. Mm-hmm. I have a hiking illustration. Uh, <laughs> Hiking in the Adirondacks, Adirondack 46, or I've climbed all 46 peaks 
over 4,000 feet. That's how dumb I am. (laughs) We called the ones 17 miles and up. We called them death marches. And we were out with some new guys that were with us. And this one guy, Gary, co-coached with me in Little League. Wonderful, wonderful Italian friend of mine. And and we got off trail. And uh, it was fogged in. And uh, we sort of got lost. We were on a trail, but it was the wrong one. And our 17-mile hike turned into a 21-mile hike. And there's an exhaustion that yeah. you feel. And he, we were just so completely deflated, like, we've given everything we've got. And we got four more miles to go. But that un, that, that commitment, mm-hmm. that commitment's yeah. like, well. That I, undeterred commitment. Undeterred commitment. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to put the, my right foot in front of my left foot. And then we put my left foot in front of my right foot, and you just take the next step because the alternative is uh, lay down and die. Right. Actually, that's that's yeah, that was the alternative for you, you. Lay down and die. Yeah. But you know when you apply that to a spirit world, it's like, okay, I, I'm I'm crushed. I'm broken. I'm humili- humiliated. I didn't say that right. Humiliated. Humiliated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, I haven't been smoking weed. Just just <laughs> want to go for the reference. But it's just Christ in me. He just took the next step, and he right. wound up on a cross. Right. He just he didn't stop. Well, and, he, and here's the thing. First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, and this is my life passage. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always, always abounding, always putting one foot in front of the other because that's the thing to do, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, You're just going to do the right thing. You can do the right thing. No and And so what happens is, Literally, that always abounding says that you're committed to the fight. Yeah. I remember I got really told off really, really bad by a couple family members publicly in front of 5,000 friends on Facebook. The Holy Spirit just put on my heart to write them a love letter. Mm. Just write a love letter. Yep. And I did. And then I asked the Lord to make me mean what I'm saying. And I really did because uh, people in darkness don't see the light. Right. And so when they hate... We return love. Right. And uh, it's, it's not because I'm a super spiritual person. It's just Christ is Christ, and he is. Well, amazing. because he made, he gave you all the tools to be holy. Yeah, and I think holiness writes a love letter when somebody yeah. tells you off. Right. Because in my flesh, I would, I would defend myself. In my flesh, I would attack back. Right. But in Christ, I just love unconditionally. Find three or four things about these people who hate well, me. you know, Stradivarius, uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, he made violins. And, and he said this, he said, God needs violins, violins to send his music into the world. And if any violins are defective, God's music will be spoiled. Mm. But then he goes on and he says this, other men will make other violins, but no man shall make a better one. And he was absolutely uh, surrendered to excellence. He's like, you know what? I am committed to the fight. I'm undeterred commitment. I, that is in my soul. And now I have undiminished excellence. I am not going to put out anything to the world that is not 
completely acceptable to God and, and my absolute best. To our audience, I try to get Johnny to fly by the seat of his pants on some of his uh, editing of the stuff I give him, but he won't do it. I won't. <laughs> he just won't do it. He will stay up all night long and and get out all my and ums. And when I get too yeah. far from the microphone, you can't hear it. He's got to, <laughs> oh, man, I drive him crazy. But he practices what he preaches here, my friends. The worst one you ever gave me took seven hours to edit. And that was that interview. He just wouldn't get on the mic. And yeah, you, yeah, you did an interview, and it was like, I am, okay, in my heart. I owe this guy <laughs> way more than points. <laughs> in my heart. Like I said, in my heart, I want to kill Duke. But my love for him says I'll continue on. <laughs> But, but that's a good point, though. Yeah. You know, we, excellence yeah. is, I think God uh, did excellence when he created the universe. Yep. And he said it was good. He gave us all things that we would enjoy life, which meant all things he gave us was good. You know, Edwin Bliss once said, the pursuit of excellence is gratifying and healthy. The pursuit of perfection is frustrating, neurotic, and a terrible waste of time. God does not want us perfect. He wants us in the pursuit of excellence. I don't. I don't struggle with fighting for perfection. I don't I either. Got that right? <laughs> yeah, and it's I like do fly by the seat of my pants occasionally. The, and the, not occasionally. I caught <laughs> faith. <laughs> I caught spiritual reckless abandonment. Listen, my wife says it's a lack of planning. Hey, so. <laughs> I'm with your wife. Um, you know, but listen, whatever we do, we should do our best, and Amen. we should make ourselves reach further than anyone else as a Christian. You know, uh, it, when we, I got into podcasting, this guy sat me down and said, "We're not going to do any junk." And he's 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 uh, held me accountable to to do the best I can. And I, now I, I practice that. I write out all my texts, and you do a fantastic I, job. I give the I, I study hard, and I and and I and then of course you tweak it and edit it, and it makes it makes me sound a lot smarter than what I really am. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the one that's going up uh, that you have going up this Tuesday is a fantastic one, by the way. And uh, it's already edited, it's posted uh, to go live at its right time. But as I was listening to it, I thought, oh my goodness, man, what, what a great job this podcast is. And there, because here's what we do, or at least attempt to do on According to John, on Pastor Duke, on the two podcasts. And I know Walter Swain does the same thing uh, because when I talked to him, I said, no compromise, right? Mm -hmm. uh, on Truth Unbound. And, and so these three podcasts that we're talking about are committed to excellence, not perfection, because they're not going to be, mm -hmm. but we're committed to excellence. And when we sat down and I said, hey, listen, guys, if we are going to give a product to our consumers, it needs to be valuable. And what is the most valuable thing we can give them? Biblical. Excellence. And it has to be biblical. Because that's the only life-changing thing to be uh, th that is sustainable for eternity, right? Yeah. And, and and we have to be accurate and we have to put the effort in. And because I don't want you getting any less than what God would have you to have. Mm -hmm. Biblical first. And uh, then even the presentation and yep. ed editing and the sound and all that. It, uh, it, it's the best. But that's what God did for us. Right. And and then he says, listen, here's what I want. Uh I am requiring that you should be the best workers, the best husbands, the best wives, the best teenagers, the best children, the best church servants. I mean, you in, in everything we do, we need to strive for 
excellence, realizing that the only thing we have is our testimony and our word to keep. I was talking to a guy one time while I was dealing with him on, um, I think it was Craigslist on this particular occasion. And I was looking for um, a boiler starter for a lady in our church who her boiler broke down and I was trying to find a starter that we could get on it to get her heat for the winter. And we have an agreement, me and this guy, uh, for $35 for this starter. I get to his house and him and his daughter are standing there. And he has the starter in his hand and I go to give him $35 and he goes, I want 45. I know you well enough, John. It, uh, I bet he didn't get $45. Well, here's what I did because his daughter was there. And I said, I'm going to give you your $45 because this lady needs heat in her house, which I had already told him. So he knew he had me. And I said, but I want you to know one thing. It is a sad day to stand here and see that you sold your integrity for 10 bucks. That's, that's all it was worth. And I looked at his little girl and I said, whatever you do, do not sell your integrity for $10 like your daddy just did. Mm. I handed him the $45 and I walked away. So I paid 10 bucks to teach his daughter a lesson and to remind him he was a dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> but right, I mean, yeah. uh, that, listen, that, and that's what I'm talking about. Listen, we need to be our best. Yeah, and we're living in a world where character is like thrown out. Yeah, and, and we just got to be so careful, which takes us to our third, which is uncommon character. Character is like the foundation of your house. Most of it is below the surface, mm -hmm. right? But people will see it, especially when the storms come. Uh, distinguished character, Psalm 106.3 talks about that. And it says this, blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. That is distinguished character and no one should be able to match you for quality and honesty and integrity yeah nobody i've heard, I've heard people say people do their best not with uh, uh what's expected but by what's inspected and god is constantly inspecting Inspecting us yeah and now just keep us when we have that consciousness it'll right. keep them on our game with that spirit of wanting to be excellent yeah. and to when we're tired and we're discouraged, we're just going to do the right thing because it's the right thing, and Christ in me will always do the right thing. Yeah, and look, we should serve and work and do in ways that are seemingly irreplaceable. I was uh, so in the in the beginning of our church, it it was struggling, and so and I wasn't making, but I think at the time fifteen hundred a month as a pastor um, working you know, with the church starting it and all and that 90 hours a week. Yeah. Make about a buck 25 an hour. <laughs> Somewhere around there. And I so know, I did it. We was meeting in, we were, we was, <laughs> we were meeting in a school and the school kicked us out because they said that church was bad for their image and they were trying to reach their community. And so they told me on Wednesday that Sunday was our last Sunday meeting there. And we were like, okay, we get over to a new spot, which is, was way smaller and, and we were working and doing with everything we had. And then we were able to gain a space next to that space, which made it bigger, but then people quit tithing. And so I got up in the pulpit and I said, guys, um, this was in August. 
and at the beginning of August, and I said, we have enough money to get us through mid-September, and then after that, we close the church. And so you have to decide whether this church is worth keeping. And I said, to show you that I am sold out to make this happen, I surrender all of my pay. And I went and got a job, and I was working for someone else, plus pastoring. So now I'm putting in 90 hours a week. And um, the boss of the, the, the business that I was working for, he came up to me and he was like, he said, John, you really do good work. To which I responded, thank you. But I want you to know that everything I do, I do as unto the Lord. And I do it for the Lord. You're just a recipient of it. And that's what God wants us to do and to be. Now, they to take note of it, and they like to have employees with that kind of character. Absolutely. And so uh, also to give you the rest of the story on the church, in case you're wondering, um, everyone stepped up, started tithing, and now we're in our 16th year, and I think that was in our third year. And so we're in our 16th year. We're growing, people getting saved. God is awesome. But that's what we're talking about, right? We should serve in a way that is valuable and seemingly irreplaceable uh, to the person who looks at us. I found uh, another story, and obviously it's just a story. I, uh, it's, there's a lot of truth to it, but I don't think it was someone's life. And, and it talks about being uh, most Christians uh, don't keep or don't show their value, right? They, uh, they don't have the common or the uncommon character that the world has. So it goes on like this. For sale, one cross, almost new, top heavy, cramps my style, keeping up with the world. One talent, slightly shelf-worn, unused for several years. One bundle of seldom-used opportunities. Among these, church attendance, personal witnessing. One badly used influence. Buyer needs to repair it and use it more carefully. These items may be seen anytime in the basement of my home, corner of Careless Avenue and Neglect Street, signed Careless Christian. And that, unfortunately, is most Christians today. Most Christians today have this that they live by. I remember as a new believer, I saw people that were on fire and they just came alongside me and fired me up. But I looked over and I saw that not my mom said, is everybody on fire at your church like you? And it broke my heart and I had to say, no, no. And yeah. well, can't you, she's like, can't you cool it down like them? <laughs> <laughs> no. And I, I just think, you know, one day we're getting closer now, 50 years I've served one day soon, I'm going to stand before the Lord and and hear well done. I hope so. Yep, I, I, that's my goal. Yeah, that's my goal to hear well done, now good you know, and faithful. How, how my real estate holdings were, and what I drove, and what I wore, mm -hmm. and where I went, and what I ate, and it's kind of like Jesus, did I please you? Right. Did I was it yeah. uh, was I committed? Did I get up when I fell? Did I forgive when people hurt me? Did did I do the next right thing? And uh, I, I feel at peace right now about right. that. But I'm motivated. To keep going, right? To keep going. Yeah. Listen, because we're to serve God above all things, Hebrews 12, 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably 
with reverence and godly fear. And guys, I just want you to know that to be a Daniel should be, that that's our goal. That should be what we strive for. That should be who we want to be like, right? And so now the question is, would you dare to be a Daniel? Because that's a real question. Would you dare to be a Daniel? You know, God calls us to himself so that he can work through us. But if we don't have the things that God needs us to have, he's not going to use us and he's not going to work through us. He's just going to be disciplining us. And so I end this with this question for you. What, what will you offer God? What will you offer God? And only you can answer that. Hey guys, I hope that this podcast has helped you. And if it has, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. And until the next time, God bless.